Lindsay, bringing you another episode in the year of polygamy, where we talk about the wild and fun adventures that the Latter-day Saints experience with plural marriage. Just kidding. Actually, we're just trying to understand the practice as it was lived and played out amongst the saints from the early days of the church until present time. And today is our last episode dealing with the wives of Joseph Smith specifically. They might pop up later on in the series, but this is the last biography we're doing. And then our next episode is going to be about the Lamanite marriages. So stay tuned for that. Also about a black ordained man who ordained with the priesthood who was also a polygamist. So you're going to learn some fun history. But today we're talking about Fanny Young Smith. And Fanny Young Smith... Uh, would be one of Joseph's older wives. She was born in 1787. So she was much older even than Joseph Smith. She was born in Massachusetts. Her parents, her parents were John and Abigail Howe. And her, her father, John, was a veteran of three Revolutionary War campaigns under George Washington. And he married his wife, Abigail, or they called her Nabby, in 1785. The couple, the young couple settled in a farm, on a farm in Hop, Hopkington, Massachusetts. John was said to be a small, nimble, wiry man who toiled unceasingly to support his rapidly growing family. He never lost sight of his moral and religious convictions. And Brigham Young wrote, quote, he was very circumspect, exemplary, and religious, and was from an early period of his life a member of the Methodist Church. Now, Nappy was one of five popular house sisters of Shrewsbury Hopkinton. It was said that all the girls were pretty, vivacious, and musical. All were very devout and deeply concerned with Puritan religious life. Uh, Nappy was a little bit above medium height. She had blue eyes with yellowish-brown hair folded in natural waves and ringlets across her shapely brow. And she was just said to be a looker. So... This is, these are the parents of Fanny Young, a Revolutionary War hero and a town beauty. And if you go to the site, there's a drawing of Abigail Howe um, that was drawn by someone in 1964 using those descriptions. Few people know that Fanny Young was one of the last women to marry Joseph Smith, but they also don't know that she was the sister to the famous Mormon prophet Brigham Young. So, if you thought that I've been talking a lot about the parents, this is why these are the parents of Brigham Young. When Brigham was born into the family, Fanny was 13 years old, and she was put in charge of caring for him as a baby because his mother was too weak. She nursed him from a bottle and helped take care of the other children. Fanny was said to be particularly gifted for caring for the family's farm animals as well. The family grew up mostly as Methodists, but religion always seemed to be a search in the back of their minds. The only readily available textbook was the Bible. This was common. Um, this was a common experience on the frontier. There was there wasn't time for education. The work of carving out the land and carving out a living required every working hour of every living soul. 
So when Fanny was 18, she met and married Robert Carr. And according to Todd Compton, the author of In Sacred Loneliness, the marriage was a bad one, and Robert was known as, quote, unfaithful and profligate. The couple would have no children. Fanny's mom, Abigail, died in 1815, and Fanny took on much of the responsibility for raising the young children. During the last months and weeks of Nabby or Abigail's life, Fanny came home uh, from her marriage. She left Robert Carr because of his unfaithfulness to her and returned to her father's house. And it was a good thing she did because she was able to give a guiding hand and firm purpose to the younger children. She was especially helpful to Nabby in her last illness. She gave security to Lorenzo Dow during the weeks and days of Nabby slow dialing and dying and kept him occupied so he was not conscious of the last struggles of his mother. It should be remembered that death was a terrifying event in that day. I mean, it is now, but there were no sort of tranquilizing drugs. There were a few sedatives known to medicine, and these were usually not obtainable in the backcountry. If a person died from a painful disease, they would suffer the full measure of pain right up into the last breath. Tuberculosis is a painful disease. And it's the slow disintegration of tissue suffered by its victims. And it causes intense, intense pain. It's also extremely distressing to watch the person suffer. Fanny managed to take care of the young kids. But some of the kids were given the experience of a loved one dying a slow, painful death. And it had a lasting effect on them. And this also was not uncommon in that time. Tuberculosis or TB was not uncommon. Uh, it was a it was a cause of death, and it's still. I mean, tuberculosis still is an issue in developing countries. There's still a huge a huge issue with this. Uh, Fanny's younger brother Lorenzo recalls, "Quote, as she was the oldest of the girls of my father's family, then at home from that time forward, she was a mother to me and the rest of my family." End quote. So Fanny would almost be raising Brigham Young. Living near the Young family in Monroe, New York, was the family of Heber C. Kimball. Fanny would occasionally help out in the Kimball home, and Heber's daughter Helen Marr Kimball, who was also a wife of Joseph Smith, fondly wrote, quote, "Aunt Fanny Young took care of me, and she was always ready to defend me if necessary." She had been a great reader, and I was named by her after the Scottish lady, Helen Marr. She was a true saint and was beloved by all who had the pleasure of her acquaintance, end quote. Fanny was described as a pretty woman with dark, waving hair and a sensitive, nervous organization, end quote. In 1832, Fanny would marry Roswell Murray, who was a 62-year-old father-in-law to Heber C. Kimball. The spring of her marriage, Fanny and other members of the family, including Brigham, were baptized into the Mormon church. So that's a big year for, for her. She gets married again, and she gets her whole family gets baptized into the Mormon church. Fanny's new husband, Roswell, was reluctant to join the church and was not baptized. And Helen Marr would, would later write about her grandfather, quote, My grandfather Murray was not a member of any church. A more noble, kind-hearted man never lived. He was generous to a fault, and some were unprincipled enough to take advantage of it. He was never known to refuse a favor, and he would often rise from his bed when he was sick and do a job of work to accommodate a neighbor. He was a man of few words, and some called him an infidel, end quote. Fanny and Roswell moved to Kirtland and then eventually Nauvoo, arriving in 1839. Shortly after arriving, Roswell died while visiting his children in New York, and Fanny would become a widow at 52. 
Shortly after, her beloved father, Joseph, with whom she had stayed close to and traveled often with, passed away too. So that would be a big year for her as well to lose both her husband and her father. At this time in Kirtland, there's a huge disaffection. We talked about this going on with the Kirtland Baking Society. There's a lot of mob threats. Many of the faithful saints um, are leaving the church. And Saints Rally and Nauvoo and Joseph Smith's inner circle began to include some of the people that are, would be closest to Fanny. Both Brigham Young and Heber C. Kimball became close with Joseph Smith and were secretly invited into the doctrine of plural marriage. Brigham would later recall the fall of 1843 when he, Joseph Smith, and Fanny were discussing the Mormon belief in the necessity of entering plural marriage in order to obtain exaltation and enter the celestial kingdom. So, was it necessary? Is this something that you need to have to get to the celestial kingdom? This is the conversation they're ha- having. Fanny, who was said to be unimpressed with the doctrine, was uh, rumored to have said, quote, Now don't talk to me. When I get into the celestial kingdom, if I ever get there, I shall request the privilege of being a ministering angel. That is the labor I wish to perform. I don't want any companion in that world, and if the Lord will make me a ministering angel, it is all I want. End quote. Joseph was said to have replied, Sister, you talk very foolishly. You do not know what you will want. He then told Brigham Young, Here, Brother Brigham, you seal this lady to me. Brigham said that Fanny submitted to Joseph's impromptu proposal and sealed her to him on the spot. Joseph would be killed less than a year later, and Fanny would once again be widowed. The marriage would be completely dynastic, tying the prophet to his faithful friend Brigham Young. And it was almost done as sort of a joke. You can see she was saying, I want to be a ministering angel. And Joseph was like, you don't want to go to the celestial kingdom without a sealed companion, Brigham. Marry me to her right now. And Brigham said, okay. And they did it. And there they were, all sealed together. When many of Joseph's wives were sealed later to him after his death and after the completion of the Nauvoo Temple, Fanny was not resealed to Joseph Smith. She was not resealed to Joseph Smith, but she did receive her endowments on January 7th, 1846. When the saints traveled west, Fanny lamented that she had been abandoned. She said, quote, When all my friends left Nauvoo and came west, I was left behind, not because they did not care for me, but because everyone had families of children, and just as much on their hands as they could live through. So I wended my way as best I could until they sent back for me. End quote. She would eventually leave in the fall, only to spend four winters at winter quarters. She set out for Utah in the summer of 1850. Because of her increasing age, the journey would prove to be very difficult. She wrote, quote, We traveled two days and a half when I begged them in mercy to lay me on the ground and let me die in peace. The wagon stopped a few days until I was a little better. When they carried me back to the first tavern and left me, that sickness I never got over nor have I ever been able to do much, end quote. The Utah census in 1850 shows Fanny living in Salt Lake City at the age of 63. She wrote, quote, But when I did reach my friends, the Lord provided a comforter for me, the youngest daughter of my brother and sister, Rhoda Young Green. They were both dead, and the dear girl seemed to cleave so to me that she never left me. The greatest comfort of my life since then, I have never have broken up, always kept house, end quote. So she takes on her niece. She takes the youngest daughter, um, her niece, which was the youngest daughter of her brother, and uh, seemed to be endeared to her. After the completion of Brigham Young's Lion House, Fanny was offered a room there and lived the rest of her life in comfort, which would have been a big privilege. He usually saved that for his fa- the favorite women in his life, although she did seem to suffer from a terrible nervous condition. 
She would later tell Heber Kimball that she did not want a history of her life published because she had lived a lonely life, and she did not want a picture taken of her either. Fanny began to complain more and more about her health and ills, and those around her would often express frustration at her complaining, and Brigham Young tried to comfort her by telling her that there was help for her in the gospel. Neither of them knew at the time that Fanny was suffering from cancer. As her health faded, Brigham's wives took turns sitting with her, trying to make her comfortable as she suffered through great pain. She died on June 11th at age 71 in the home of a niece, Fanny McKnight. And that's the story of Fanny Young. Kind of a sad story to be a childless woman in Mormon, Utah, and uh, a plural wife at that, and to have such ties. But I will say that even though her life was sad and lonely, and there was a lot of suffering, she was lucky in that she was tied to powerful men at the time, so she lived with a lot more comforts than other women that had parallel situations at her time. Not to uh, dismiss her suffering, which sounds like it was great. So thank you for listening. We hope you tune into the next episodes. We've got some great stuff coming up, and I'm so excited to bring you another episode in the year of polygamy. Thanks.